0: Thank you very, very much, Tom. I greatly appreciate your ministry and uh, blessing us with the Word of God. And thank you for letting us see into the lives of Aquila and Priscilla. Uh, let's pause and have a word of prayer. Father, we just ask you for your blessing on this last segment. To give endurance and strength to your saints. Father, we pray that you would be, of course, magnified and glorified through Jesus Christ in the church. We ask this according... To the scriptures, in Jesus' name, amen. I am a product of the missionary work in Japan. It was um, my mother who went to help the missionary who took residence on her street and hired her to help take care of their children and teach them Japanese. In the course of time, they gave her the gospel, and in particular, they gave her the word of God from John 3.16. And as they read it to her, her testimony goes, Kazuasan, put your name, as many of us have in that verse, for God so loved Kazuasan. My mother told me, she said, You know, I only knew Buddha. Buddha loves no one. I would like to know the God that loves me. That changed her life that day. And it changed mine many years later. So I'm very grateful to be with you in this last segment. And thank you again to my colleague and friend Tom for his ministry from the word of God. Two very small housekeeping items. CMML has a couple of conferences that uh, we'll be picking up, Lord willing, after the COVID uh, restrictions die down, and in particular that uh, conferences can regather. I want to refer you to two of them. One is 26 Below, designed for uh, the younger crowd, the teens and early college years perhaps, and then there's a conference Reaching Higher, the 20 to 30-year-olds or thereabouts, I think it's a loose definition. And uh, those uh, two conferences have been uh, used by the Lord in a, a variety of ways, but I, I strongly urge you to consider them. I strongly urge you to think them through and allow them to be part of your, uh, uh, min, your, your edification, your exhortation in the next year or two. I think they're well worth your time. I think they're well worth your energy and you will find the question being asked well what's next where do we go from here I think it's a tremendous tremendous conferences or tremendous conferences to give you that answer which basically sounds like this the world is your mission field the world is your mission field All right let's turn to Timothy finish up our section. I realize that uh, we are running over, so I will attempt in my best possible behavior to abbreviate everything, which will be nothing less than a miracle, this side of heaven. So um, I beg of your forgiveness before we start. As you know, um, we have been visiting, eavesdropping on the conversation that Paul has had with Timothy and And he ends this, this little conversation, or will end this conversation with what I call tasks to pursue. Things that you should do. And there's a purpose, Timothy, I want you to keep in mind. There is what I call a principledness that needs to be kept in mind. There's principle that has to govern you. And finally, there are some personal things to think about, Timothy as we listen to this seasoned missionary at the end, now looking back on multiple missionary journeys, what would you say? What would you tell us? How can we learn? Now, the first one, your purpose, begins in verse 14 through 18. Verses 14 through 18, I'll read it. This is Paul talking, "...remind them of these things, charging them before the Lord not to strive about words to no profit." To the ruin of the hearers, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed. And notice that word ashamed. It was in the beginning, our first chapter, correct? It was mentioned several times. Rightly dividing the word of truth, but shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness, and their message will spread like cancer. Hymenaeus and Philetus are of the sort who have strayed concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection is already past, and they overthrow the faith of some. Timothy, if there's one thing you need to keep in mind, you need to keep in mind your purpose. Don't lose your focus on your purpose. As the old cliche goes, keep the main thing the main thing. Now, the main thing in this paragraph was the uh, primacy of the word of God. And he describes it in really colorful terms, as as our brother Tom uh, mentioned, tent-making. He describes it with tent-making terminology. And so he says, now, what I want you to do is I want you to be very, very um, diligent, very, very precise, uh, uh, how do we say, obsessive-compulsive, if that's okay, uh, in this area of the Word of God. And the reason why I want you to do that is because you need to cut it straight, and that's what it means to rightly divide the word of truth. It's sort of an orthogonal term, cutting it at right angles. You've heard of orthodontics. Who hasn't? Everybody's had braces. Your teeth need to be straight and perpendicular. That's the idea. You want to cut the word of God in such a way that it's pieced together and in a manner that the the parts make up a complete tapestry of the whole. Now, from the tent-making world, you would make tents out of usually animal skins, and those animal skins, they came in various shapes and sizes. And so it was putting together a puzzle. But when you were done, you were supposed to have a garment, a piece of of uh, uh, fabric, as it were, that actually had square edges and, and uh, dimension, rectangular shape. And so it had this uh, uh, challenge associated to it many different um, animal shapes of their skins to be placed in various configurations so that the entire picture, the entire fabric was complete. Now, this is what he's saying about the Word of God. You, you, you need to be able to piece the Word of God together in its right proportion and its right array So that the total representation of God's truth and personhood are adequately presented without a fray on the edge or cutting a corner, Timothy. So keep the main thing, the main thing for failure. Failure to keep the main thing, the main thing results in words of no profit, which is what it says in the text. It says, but shun Profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness. Uh, verse 14, um, remind them of these things, charging them before the Lord not to stru- strive about words to no profit. That means it, it has no uh, benefit. There's, they're useless words. Uh, later in that verse, as I cited profane, they're godlessness, they're idle babblings, they're empty talk. Uh, they just produce quarreling. They just produce argumentation. I don't know if you're an individual that likes to have a good argument but sometimes that's not a good thing is it you know, sometimes it it, it 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 rattles the sheep as it were and what happens is is that the listener the eavesdropper on these kind of conversations ends up um destroyed they end up in ruin and and that leads to advancing godlessness now some of this discussion seems a little bit uh theoretical but it's not actually you see there's there's a, a host of different uh flavors of doctrine that sort of cycle through uh, uh generations and sometimes just in decades that's true for medicine too uh i remember uh things that we talked about doing 20 years ago then they fell out of vogue and now we're doing them again right and same thing with 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 uh, uh shoe styles and clothes styles and hairstyles Funny, if you actually had a lot of bell-bottom jeans in the 70s and you saved them, you'd be a millionaire today, right? Do you remember that? I remember that. Now, these doctrinal nuances have a way of slipping in and causing some disruption. Especially with uh, 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 the gender, uh, let's not be offensive with gender terminology, and trying to to to, to feminize God, God's terms and his and, and his masculinity. There's a, a sense of that culture sort of pervading into the presentation of the God of the Bible. That's a dangerous thing. There's many other things that have come along recently that has some some uh cyclical approach. The replacement theology that has uh predominated much of, of uh of uh theology uh, theological schools today. The uh the dispensational idea of God working through administration seems to be less favorable, seems to be ridiculed. So she says, well, listen, Timothy, you be careful about these things that, can, that are really unprofitable. They're just quarrel producers, argument producers. But there is something that is even more um, specific to our moment in history. You see, our moment in history is riddled with uh, various things that affect the entire country if not the entire world. And so we have things like COVID, right? Now, COVID is a, is a big thing, and it's uh, become part of my life, and I didn't want it to be part of my life. It becomes part of my life because I have to know about it. I have to think about it. It's interesting. People forget that there are other diseases back about five or six, seven years ago that wiped out many young people. It was H1N1. I coded, literally coded, resuscitated 40-year-old mothers who delivered their babies because they, die, they were dying of H1N1. So this is a, a dramatic thing, and COVID now has uh, press all over the place, and, and we get strong opinions about how things should be handled, and then that leads to disgruntlement with uh, uh, governmental policy, and then that leads to all kinds of political things that happen in the in, in our culture. And what I'm trying to say is that sometimes we can get talking about issues— That might take us away from the main thing. Now, I don't mean you can't have political opinion, nor do I believe, nor do I think you can't feel strongly or passionately about those particular perspectives. But what I am saying is that when it begins to compete, if not erode the presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, then something has to give. And I think it needs to be our strong opinions. So we certainly can't give up the gospel. Has it? Ha, just ask yourself the question, because I realize I am on very, very uh, shaky ground with many a person. But just ask yourself the question: Does my political viewpoint or my social viewpoint is it becoming so loud that it's drowning out my voice of the gospel? Just ask yourself that question. Now, this is not the first time in history this has happened. Back in the early 2000s, it was with nutrition. And I was getting hundreds of calls, not hundreds, tens of, twenties of, thirties of calls about nutritional things. And, and it was sort of taking center stage and, and it was becoming louder than the voice of the gospel. You see, we are charged to keep the word of God the main thing. And the word of God's main thing is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I don't care who ye are, we get stirred up, myself too. Uh, and, and, and we get stirred up about it. And that becomes the issue that we want to correct our social injustices. And we want to undo these, these uh, 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 um, uh, terrible plights that we see in, a, in, a, in our culture. I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying let's not fall into the trap where all of our conversation is just producing words of no profit. Now, you don't have to take my opinion on that, my application. I certainly, I certainly wouldn't want you to do that, but I would suggest that you ask the Lord. <laughs> See, what happened here in this text is that that kind of uh, verbiage led to a cancer. Now, the word actually is is the word we use for gangrene. But there's so I'll take two images here, and the first one, cancer, it, it has a way of infiltrating in a claw-like fashion. The reason why they they call cancer. I use that Latin word for cancer, for cancer today is because it means crab and the crab would have its claws. A tumor would grow with claws into the tissue and it would be very hard to dissect it out because there was fingers of that cancer. That's what happens when we get off the beaten path, when we we lose our way with the main thing. But it also has the, the the, there's also imagery with the word gangrene. I'll never forget the very first patient I took care of with gangrene. I went in to see him in the emergency department. I remember it like it was yesterday. He was in bed six. His skin was a little bit shiny, a little bit taut. But to the naked eye, it looked totally normal until you touched it and your finger went through the skin as if it was tissue paper. I hate to tell you what else happened. There was a terrible odor and there's lots of pus and all that stuff. But on the outside, it actually looked okay. This is what he says. This kind of verbiage and and pursuit of secondary issues that may or may not have reference to the gospel, most likely not, what happens is it just creates a festering wound that cannot heal and will usually end in the patient's terrible outcome. And that's what we're doing with souls. So Timothy, if there's anything I want you to do, I want you to remember your purpose. Your purpose is a minister of the Word of God. Beloved, that's what we are as missionaries, aren't we? We are ministering the Word of God, the Gospel of Jesus Christ and everything else that follows after that. And for whatever, it, for whatever reason, our emotions, mine too, get stirred up and angry and upset. And I lose all of my energies to that issue instead of the Savior. You know how the Lord taught me this? Football. You see, I love football. I know you think I'm 6'9 and weigh 240 pounds, and in my dreams I do, but I, I can't play football. They would squash me, and they would have to use a pancake scooper to get me off the field. But I love it. And I would watch the losing team in the Super Bowl, Kansas City Chiefs. And I would watch them, and we would cheer and yell. And you know, when I'd watch them and they would lose, I would just be so not nice to be with. And I, and I, and I'd try to go study my Bible and I was just so upset and I just couldn't believe it. I, what's the matter with me? And I took all of my emotional energy and I deposited it into the football game so I had nothing left. And that's what we're doing. Timothy, remember your purpose. But there's one more. I want you to have principles, Timothy. Listen to this. It says, Beginning in verse 19, nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands having this seal. The Lord knows those who are his and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but of also of wood and clay and some of honor for honor. Excuse me. And some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor sanctified and useful for the master. Don't you love that? Useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Now, I've titled this The Principled Life because there's two things that come to the surface immediately in verse 19. One of them is he knows those who are his and then he says He, uh, uh, the one who knows him, or I wrote it this way, his own should live like the one who knows him. In other words, depart from iniquity. Now, we talked a little bit about that in our first segment, which was last night, uh, about the necessity of un, an unhypocritical approach, an authentic approach. But what I want to focus on this, this this evening is this idea of the vessel that's for honorable purposes. Now, my wife, she is a, a tremendous uh, um, um, house uh, uh, manager. And that's her full-time job, and and I would never trade her for uh, that job ever. I tried once. I like to hang myself, so so I, I would never do that. But I notice that she has a very uh, precious taste in in dishes, and and we have china. I didn't know there was such a thing as Royal Albert china until I married her, and and I find that that's not what we eat off of. I find that we eat off of um, Fiesta ware. I, I don't know why, but this is what this is what we do, and and I began to realize over time that there are certain um, uh, dishes that were for honorable purposes, like Christmases and and Thanksgivings and uh, 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 special events, uh, anniversaries, and I really began to appreciate that fine china. But if one of the children or the husband ever grabbed that and said, "Well, let's just go ahead and throw it in the dishwasher tonight." Well, that's not a good thing. And we would have to hand wash them, all 55 pieces, one at a time. Now, I tell you that because this is what he's saying in the text. There are certain... Um, Uh, uh, dishes that you use for honorable purposes. And I want you, Timothy, to be principled enough to be a dish for honorable purposes that God uses you uniquely. Now, the only way, this is the key, the only way to get there The only way to have this principledness of the soul is the fear of the Lord. That's what they called it in the Old Testament. It's actually riddled in the New Testament also, but it's it's very important we have this. The early church had this, and when Tom was reading through the book of Acts, we we didn't see those passages, but it's embedded there, Acts chapter 5, Acts chapter 9, and later in in the book of Acts. The fear of the Lord is all over the Old Testament. This 24-7 God consciousness that drives us to do the right thing for the right reason when no one can rightly see you. It's the fear of the Lord. And so I believe, if I may by application say to you, that the principledness that needs to be there is the fear of the Lord. It goes along with that next segment here, which is a pure heart. And he says, you know, flee youthful lusts. Uh, it's not that, that, it, it, it's not the lusts that only affect the youth, but it's the lusts that have the intensity of one's youth. And we should all know about that. He said, pursue what constitutes integrity. Look at what it says in the next verse. Flee youthful lusts, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So again, the fear of the Lord is an integrity that is concerned about the opinion and approval of God against no others to be considered, just his opinion, just his approval. This is what we're missing, isn't it? Because this is what drives you to do the right thing when no one else would ever even think of uh, of what you do. I, re- I remember this in such a small way when, when we were... Um, uh, when I was shopping with my kids and it was raining and we got out to the car and it just rained. It's like it was beating on us and my son's sopping wet. I'm sopping wet. I'm throwing the kids into the car and I'm throwing the food in the car and then I noticed that we have a case of Coke underneath the cart that we didn't pay for. And My son looks at me. I mean, water's dripping around his face. What are we going to do? Man, was I tempted to throw it in the car. But you see, there's a God consciousness that got me. Because he wasn't his, I, his vision was not hidden by the rain. And I said, we're going to go back in and pay for it. Seriously? I think so. And man, we hightailed it. and We didn't need a bath that night. We had a shower. That's what I'm talking about. No, no, I don't care where you are in this process of missionology. That's needed. That's needed. But there's finally this idea of the bond servant. I'll end with this, of course, the doulos. Look at what it says. Um, but uh, uh, the servant of the Lord, verse 24, must not quarrel, be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, Correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance, so that they may know the truth, that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. There's a lot at spiritual. Uh, there's a lot that's spiritually at stake. The devil having taken captive someone to do as well. This is high stakes of crimes and this is a, a, a high stakes at, at capture and being imprisoned. Now what Paul's saying is, first of all, the bond servant, this, this doulos, this lowest rung of, of Roman society, Greco-Roman society, the slave state, uh, the, the idea that Jesus actually, the Lord Jesus taught, He said, which of you have a slave? Do they go out into the field, work all day, come in? Does the master say, oh, thank you, thank you, that's so nice, can I get you dinner? Yeah, the Lord has, He's classic on this. He goes, I don't think so. He says, you fix me dinner, you help me get ready for bed. And then you can eat and take care of yourself. And does the slave say, "Oh, uh, uh, d- does this does the slave expect thanks for that?" No, the slave says, "I am an unworthy servant. I've only done what I should have done." That's how a slave thinks. I do everything, and then I'm not worth anything. And he says, "Listen, the bond servant of Jesus Christ, you can't, you cannot clash." That's what it means, quarrelsome, sparring viciously or severely. That can't be part of you personally, Timothy. You're not there to win the argument. You're there to win them to Christ so that they might come to obey the truth of God's word and be rescued from the clutches, the snare, the bear trap of the enemy. Keep the main thing the main thing. When wronged, it says, "What is that?" When you have people that are hostile toward you, you you are gentle in return. Isn't that our first reaction to be gentle in return? That's not my first reaction. <laughs> if you want to spar with me? I'll spar with you, right? i have never free. This is a real challenge for me in the emergency department when when the patients are are quite cantankerous and they want to get in my grill and yell in my face, and and you know what? I want to yell right back. You know the the the. the the man of god the bondservant he's he's not it's not how he is he's actually instructing even in the face of of being resented you you re, you without resentment endure and tolerate it says when you're wronged you you're you're uh uh with humility Providing this, this, this mild, this mildness, this meekness, strength under control that God, with all of His massive power, could totally, vengefully deal with the situation, but He'll take His power and instead take an enemy and make Him a friend of God. Now that's an amazing thing. That's where our mind should be. Our disposition should be. Timothy, that's what I want you to be as a missionary. So that you can bring Correction, training, teaching, educating. Because the ultimate goal is a repentance, a change in mind about the truth. The ultimate goal is for them to come to their senses, a proper thinking. The ultimate goal is a rescue mission. A rescue mission from the control of Satan. Is that not what missions is all about? It is. Timothy you need to pursue three things. Your purpose, your principledness, your pursuits, or your personally, you you personally. There's a missionary story of a gentleman that was a missionary to Indonesia. Indonesia had been there for quite a while, and he wanted to harvest some pineapples. In harvesting these pineapples, he took the time and the effort to grow them and, and as they were just about ready to get ripe, they would be stolen by the, com- by the natives of the community. And he would get so angry. He would be preaching in the day and then his pineapple stolen at night, so angry he'd, he'd find the people that did it and he'd do, you know, it, 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 he couldn't talk to them. He got German shepherd dogs to, scare them away, and of course the community moved away. That didn't work. And then he, he cut off a medicine supply to the community because they were stealing his pineapples, and finally he decided he'd just let the Lord have ownership of his pineapples. And uh, one day they stole them, and he met up with a thief. And they said to them, why aren't you angry? He said, well, I I gave those pineapples over to my God, so really you stole my God's pineapples, not mine. They got scared. They said, what What is it? We stole God's pineapples. Take them back. We don't want them. Right? He became so calm and at peace, they actually asked him if he became a Christian because he was now living what he was preaching. (laughs) They called him Two One. Tuan, did you become a Christian? You're no longer angry. What I think we need to do, beloved, is we need to start there at Christianity. You need, we need to be pursuing that which is our purpose, that which is principled, and that which is for us personally. May the Lord bless His Word. Father, we commit our hour to you, our time. Thank you for the endurance of the saints and for the work of the Spirit of God who has tirelessly and I'm sure completely been able to take your word that we have fumbled with and been able to, to, to uh, magnify it to the hearts of your children, feeding them well. But Father, it will need to be more than just this hour or these hours. It'll, your, your Spirit will con- need to continue His teaching ministry, continue His shepherd ministry. For Father, we are inadequate and incomplete. So we call upon you, Father, give us the heart of the Savior, the one who is our model missionary. In Jesus' name, amen.